0: On today's show, as promised, it's time to get to the mailbag and start answering some of your questions. And we're going to start with a couple of beauties today, including uh, what did the Bucs actually do in the offseason that should be creating optimism amongst you? And then secondly, between the three guys that have been mentioned in trade, rumors, reports, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and which ones do the Bucs need the most? And can they afford to lose any of them? We're going to answer those questions today. Max him down. Giannis into the lane.
1: Giannis spinning, fading shot, up, down.
0: My name's Kane Pitt and You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast in enemy territory in Boston right now, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Uh, we appreciate everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen wherever you're catching the show. Thank you for providing the content and sending in your questions. I put out a call on the YouTube channel, on the community section. So if you subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't watch the show on YouTube, maybe at night, just cast aside five minutes, check the community channel. You can drop in some questions. It's the easiest way to get to us because I don't know what's going on with Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called right now. But uh, we appreciate the support. Drop a like, a comment, subscribe, rate, or review wherever you see the show. Uh, Frank... We've got some questions to get to on today's show, and I like the first one, and I wanted to start here because we've been talking about the offseason for the last few weeks, trying to figure out what's going on with this team, and in general, I keep coming coming on here and saying that, yeah, the Bucs are still going to contend. Yeah, they'll still be one of the best teams in the East, but this question came through. What have we done this offseason that gives us any more confidence that this season will be better than the last? Frank, how do you answer that question? (laughs) So
1: <clears throat> I, I like that those frame this way, because if you just ask the question, like, you know, should the Bucs be contenders, right? Yes. Then I think that's the question that we're, we're used to being like, well, yeah, like they, you know, we just celebrated only the two year anniversary of this core winning an NBA championship. And look, as much as I think PJ Tucker was important to that, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, Giannis and Chris and Drew and Brooke Lopez in particular, like, you know, we're overly beholden to any single role player on that team. Right. Um, so I think there's an obvious argument for why the bucks are in that kind of top echelon of contenders. I think you can certainly make the case that, you know, like Denver should sit above everyone. Cause they just proved that they could cruise through the playoffs and win an NBA championship. And they're bringing back again, the core, they're not bringing back all the role players, but they're bringing back the core kind of, you know, starting group that, that they had last year. Um, I think it's a I think it's a valid question that it's it, it does shine a light on what went wrong, what were the flaws of last year's team, and what have the Bucks done to address that? And I think the only thing that you can like point at from a you know roster construction or kind of overall organizational perspective that has changed is the coaching position, right? And and so I think you know I, I know you and I were always on the one hand. I think in general, our view is that people um, too quickly jump on coaching as, as an issue. Um, and again, for us, obviously the last five years, Mike Budenholzer has been the Bucks coach. So we always kind of sort of have these discussions through the lens of, of Bud. And, you know, I think we generally felt like, you know, Bud got a lot of grief when, you know, again, he's, he had, was certainly culpable in some of the Bucks issues. Um, you know, again, lack of, some flexibility with regards to lineups and things like that. Certainly, especially at times, he was guilty of that. Um, But I think the interesting thing was that Bud also made changes over the five years that he was in Milwaukee, right? I mean, you know, the most obvious one, after the first loss to Miami in the bubble, the move to putting guys in the dunker spot to change the geometry of the court more so that it wasn't just always, you know, essentially four out around Giannis. Um, to manipulate who was having to, um, you know, be, be helping, right. Putting guards in the dunker spot sometimes so that you have small guys helping rather than big guys, things like that. Right. Um, and the very next year they won an NBA championship, you know, so, so, and again, not that there was like purely that, but, but there was an, uh, an openness to making changes. And I think the big one last year, which I'm really curious um, about was the basically the decision to like, we're not going to help as much, when guys attack Brooke and Giannis and we're gonna stay home on three point shooters. And lo and behold, they dramatically cut down the rate of open threes they gave up and, and total threes they gave up. And so that's an area, and then the defense obviously rebounded and were a lead again last year. So that's an area that I'm really curious to see, especially with Adrian Griffin and his experience in Toronto. Like, how does you know that kind of piece change? So I think it's hard to say, I mean, it's hard to say that Adrian Griffin coming in that like you know, individually, in an objective sense, that he's is a better NBA head coach than Mike Budenholzer. I mean, Mike Budenholzer is a really high bar. The guy won a championship here. He's been the coach of the year twice in the NBA in two different cities. Um, he's a great coach. That said, as we you know, as we kind of talked about that, you know, fair ain't got nothing to do with it. Or I can't remember the the phrase from the wire <laughs> exactly, but um, but it wasn't about just you know, is Mike Budenholzer a great coach, or did he not do enough for Milwaukee? Again, the sense was, especially after that loss, especially around Giannis, was there an openness to a new voice? I think there was. And so to me, I don't know if it's addressing a like specific failure by Bud so much as I think there was probably a need for a new voice, a refresh, and especially if you're keeping the core of your roster together from a personnel standpoint, how do you shake things up a bit and get rid of maybe some of the staleness well the the obvious thing to do is is to change the coach and so you know whether that translates into an nba championship or you know an equal amount or better amount of success you know after a (laughs) 58-win regular season where you had the best record in the league i I mean there's only there's almost nowhere to go but down for adrian griffin Mm -hmm. so i feel like it's sort of hard to say like oh they're going to be better you know in the regular season or something like that because of adrian griffin or anything else but i do think that especially when you think about the playoffs and the adaptability of this team, um, that at least there's a a new voice, some new perspectives, and it's not just Adrian Griffin offensively, Terry Stotts, you know, Mm -hmm. you've made the point that defense is not the problem for this team. Again, I think there is opportunity to maybe be more flexible, try different things defensively, but the core or the base defense was not a problem. We'll see how much that changes. Um, but offensively I'm really curious to see what is the influence of Terry Stotts you know, what kind of things might we see them do differently. Um, I don't know that, I don't think they're going to like stop shooting three pointers or something like that just because Bud's not here or something like that, right? Like they're constructed to still shoot a lot of threes. Um, but I think that it all starts with the coach to me. And as far as the personnel, I mean, the good news is you still have this core group that, you know, looked great when they were kind of all together Obviously, Chris coming off the injury um, took a, took a while, uh, but he had probably the best playoffs of any of the core guys in terms of mm-hmm. like outperforming the regular season. And I think then the last part is the obvious thing of just you have a chance to be healthy for next year's playoffs. And for the second straight year, as much as Giannis did return, you didn't have Giannis for two of those for two and a half games, basically in, in this five game series. And He obviously was not fully fit. And of course, like if you don't have a fully fit Giannis, it's hard to say that, you know, that was the best version of the Milwaukee Bucks. So there's no guarantees that, you know, you're going to be healthy in the playoffs. We know how that works. Um, But I think just having another year where you have the core of this group together and you have a chance to get them all healthy and hopefully in a rhythm by the time the playoffs come around – That's the greatest source of optimism, and that's not really like a a huge change, but that is, to me, the kind of number one reason why things could be different is you may actually have Giannis fully healthy for a first (laughs) round series, at least. And if that happens, then certainly, you know, you feel pretty good about your chances going up against anyone to me.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, the idea of feeling optimistic anyway, because I I do think that just by simply making a major change, like changing your head coach, you can talk yourself into thinking, okay, things are going to be different. Things are going to be fresh. And I feel like it's the same with the roster as well. But you still wouldn't know if the Bucks made some kind of major trade and traded Chris Milton or Drew Holiday for some other all-star caliber player. You still wouldn't know how that's going to, to work out. So I think that there should be some optimism or confidence based on what you do know with this roster. And the confidence should be that they're going to be there and they're going to have a shot. And then it sucks, but you'll probably get to the postseason and you'll be gripping onto your coffee table or the chair, the arm of your chair, and wondering whether they're going to have some luck, knock down some threes. And that's kind of the way it goes. But I, I feel optimistic that they're going to be uh, in the place that we want them to be. And yeah, I think ultimately there are some people that just sit back and say, well, they got rid of Bud. Now they're, okay, I don't, I'm clearly not in that camp. But I can understand that that's going to provide a lot of optimism. That is a major change. And I do think when everyone talks about the Bucs running everything back, Adrian Griffin and a new head coach, particularly a guy that hasn't been a head coach before, I think it's been overlooked a little bit. So I'm curious. I can talk myself into being optimistic, but more curious than anything when it comes to the head coach and how that looks like, particularly with some of the the offensive stuff that you mentioned. And Terry Stotts is a great point. Yeah. And I was going to say too, I mean, I
1: think from a roster standpoint, you talk about optimism, right? It's July. So optimism that, you know, you have more young guys now than you've had really probably in the past few years, at least on the main roster. Um, And you have three, two ways rather than two because of the changes to the CBA. So um, again, who who from that group, as we've discussed, who from that group is going to make an impact this year? I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bet on anybody being like, Oh, that guy's going to be a top eight playoff rotation guy who's going to make a difference. You know, Marjan again probably is the most known quantity, just because we at least saw some of him last year. You know, again, AJ Green you could say also similarly we we saw a fair bit of him last year. Um, again, do I feel really confident any of those guys is like suddenly going to be like, oh, that guy is you know better than yeah. the sixth, seventh guys that we had last year, and and that's what's going to you know ensure that that we beat Boston or we beat Miami or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm again, I've, I've seen this movie too many times um, to, to kind of get that optimistic at this point. But again, between MarJon, AJ Green um, and the new, the new kids, right. Uh, principally the two second round picks, Andre Jackson, Jr. And Chris Livingston c- could one of them maybe catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe one of them becomes a guy that that actually is, you know, maybe just a, a regular, you know, a, a a useful regular season player. You know, before we get to like top eight playoff guy, who's actually like you know useful in that regard. Like maybe a little ambitious, but at a minimum, I think there's a much better chance certainly this year that we're going to see one of those guys um, actually be a you know a, a more consistent regular season player. But um, but again, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm probably too old and jaded at this point to to get too, too excited about it. Um, But certainly there's going to be an opportunity. And I think we're all curious to see, you know, how much, how much is Adrian Griffin willing to gamble on giving those guys minutes and playing them and giving them opportunities more consistently than certainly I think, Bud, you know, as we've talked about, Bud probably had a reputation of being like anti young guy more than probably he deserved, but now is the good test, right? Adrian Griffin, you got a bunch of young guys. What are you going to do? Everybody's looking at you as the guy that's going to, you know, develop these guys. And, you know, everybody's seemingly forgotten how we thought that Bud's group, you know, Hawks University, all that stuff like, oh, they had this great development program. They're going to really change things in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't really happen. Um, obviously didn't draft from very good places either. Um, and now the ball is in Adrian Griffin's court. Okay. You know, can, can you take some of those player development, you know, his player development background, right. Even as, as a head coach. Jimmy Butler, his greatest success story. Can he figure out a way with with his staff to to again? You're not going to have necessarily, you know, a bunch of guys have that have have a lot of success. But as far as you know, can you get one or two guys out of that group to to pop a little bit? And again, maybe it's just being regular season contributors, but even that would be, I'd say, a very welcome change from from previous years.
0: Yep, let's start it right now. #Hashtag Bucks Culture uh that's what's we're gonna have rolling here hey you mentioned guys that are in the rotation and have been in the playoff rotation so we've got a question coming up next on Grayson Allen Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis but first we'll talk about FanDuel uh we are right in the middle of uh baseball season right now and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 200 bucks that's right just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend on everything from the money line to the over and unders to who you think is going to get the first or hit the first home run. So I mentioned some feeble World Cup odds yesterday. Let's go to Group C specifically, the USA, minus 620. Greece coming in there at plus 470. And I wonder how much this has been impacted by the uncertainty of Giannis, but you can keep track of Group C and all the other uh, groups for the FIBA World Cup coming up next month on FanDuel.com slash Locked On. You can get a $200 bonus bet. That's FanDuel.com slash On. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's keep it rolling with the mailbag. Second question we've got here today comes from Simeon Carter, who asks about uh, he says the players in limbo, but let's just say the players that have been caught up in trade rumors. So Grayson, Allen and Alan, he doesn't mention Bobby Portis, but I'm throwing him in there. Uh, do we need them or are they trading options at this point? Not sure about the numbers, but the last two years, they seem to be ineffective in the big moments. Uh, so I think firstly, all three of these players, whether it's Grayson, Allen, Pat Conradon and Bobby Portis have had good moments in the postseason. And, and Pat and Bobby, obviously in the championship run, uh, Grayson Allen destroyed Chicago. And also, just in general, during the regular season, they had a couple of nice moments, a couple of game winners last year, one against Toronto, one against New York in New York. So, I do feel for guys that ultimately are between player five and eight in your rotation, I do think they have be, become a little bit of a scapegoat. We see some comments on YouTube where I've seen some people just say, Literally just get rid of Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen and, and the Bucks will just simply be better by not having them on the roster. Like these are good. These are actually decent NBA players. Maybe the question has been with this Bucks team with some of the health stuff they've had in the last couple of years. Maybe they've just been asked to do a little bit too much and maybe they've planned to play outside their role, particularly on offense for this team. Bobby Portis wasn't in this question. And I do think that as I gauge where the fan base is at, I do think Bobby Portis is probably the most popular of these players and the guy that people would like to trade the least. But do you look at any three of these guys, particularly with the roster construction now, we've spoke about uh, you know, potentially the the lack of guards that they do have. I, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Is there any one of these guys that you're like, yeah, I don't think the Bucks can lose. And then secondly, I guess the question has to be, if you're making a trade and you think that you're bringing in someone of value, who has the most value? Because that is also clearly important.
1: Yeah, I think let's start with maybe the positional sort of dimension of this. I think, you know, from positional scarcity perspective, on the one hand, you know, wings are always sort of like the thing that we covet the most from like a playoff rotational perspective. Um, I think Grayson, uh, even though Grayson and, and Pat are kind of like nominally, like I think they're both listed at 6-4 technically, um, Pat just plays a bit bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we saw that obviously during the playoff run, uh, to the title, you know, he was a guy that, that was in the crunch time closing group, you know, on a lot of nights, um, especially, you know, when they were frequently closing and, and going small, Pat was a guy that could play high leverage minutes, hit a ton of big threes. Um, and, and Grayson, obviously, you know, coming the the next year, the two, the two subsequent years, um, you know has only played three series, three playoff series for the Bucks, and obviously was very forgettable against Boston, which is the series that everyone remembers. So, the forgettable series he's remembered, um, but was actually like, I mean, shot extremely well against Miami last year, mm-hmm. the spring, and of course, just you know, lit the Bulls on fire, um, in that first <laughs> round series a couple of years ago, or a, you know, a little over a year ago. So, um, so I mean, he he's actually like had some moments in the playoffs, but I think he's more of a like pure shooting guard. You know, we haven't really seen him, um, you know, do a whole lot of playmaking. Uh, you know, I think him and Pat are both similar in that, you know, the, the extent of their playmaking will be sort of like taking a dribble handoff, attacking. And then, you know, finding Giannis as like a roller, um, with like a wraparound pass or something like that. Like they're not kind of high level playmakers. Um, I think Bobby is interesting because, um, you know, he his playoff career is very checkered, I would say, right? He's had some memorable, again, we remember some of his um, extremely uh, absent uh, playoff series, you know, the Boston series. He did have that, that big tip-in in, in the game yeah. five that basically won it, but really couldn't score effectively in that series at all. The Brooklyn series, obviously, he was benched during the title run. Um, and last year against uh, against Miami really didn't make an impact, didn't play a lot, to be honest. Uh, and so you can say, well, you know, isn't that kind of just reflective of the fact that there isn't just a lot of room for a kind of combo big to play in the playoffs when Giannis is playing more? Brooke maybe doesn't play a whole lot more. Um, but then you probably want to have a small ball option that, you know, whether like it was PJ a few years ago playing something like Pat Moore, um, you know, maybe Jay Crowder, I'm sure Jay Crowder would want to be part of that kind of like small closing lineup. So like, is there even like a big role for, for Bobby Portis in the playoffs? Um, I think it's unfortunately a valid question that said, um, during the regular season he's extremely valuable right i mean you look at just sort of the regular season like the counting stats like obviously the counting stats are extremely impressive you look at something like epm which is you know one of the kind of all in metrics you know he was a negative last year but he was you know between 1 and plus 1 and 2 the previous two years you know grayson and and grayson i think was like plus 0.2 last year pat's like never been above like negative 1 or something like that right like you know some of the metrics i think reflect that bobby is like an extremely productive regular season, big guy. And, you know, I mean, they stayed afloat. I mean, they won 52 games with Brooke Lopez missing the majority of the season. I think a huge part of that was the fact that Bobby Portis, you need somebody to step up and play a lot of minutes. Okay. Maybe he's not going to be an impact defender or anything like that. Um, But he's a guy that can go out and get buckets, be efficient. Um, And he's, you know, it's the thing like efficient, Above the break, three-point shooting big men just do not grow on trees. And that's a very valuable skill for a team like the Bucks. So there's kind of, I think, different arguments, you know, for all of them. Um, I think, you know, they're all, like, Pat's the oldest, but, you know, it's not like one of them is 23 and has a ton of upside and the others like, 33 or something like that. Like, they're all kind of in the same, same range. Um, I think, to me, I think Grayson is probably the most um, movable Probably also, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, you know, this is red meat for the masses, Kane, because he's the guy that everybody's been trying to trade. He wasn't part of the championship team, so he doesn't have that kind of luster, yeah. you know. Um, but he's also an expiring contract, which, you know, there's there's potential upside to that. You know, and, and definitely an easier salary to move. Um, and it, obviously, the question, I mean, if you don't want to keep this guy, then you should trade him before he hits free agency next summer. So, Um, so I think he's maybe the easiest guy to, to pick on. Um, and again, I think I just sort of come back to the fact that Connaughton, I mean, we've seen him be, you know, the question I think we always come back to, you know, is this guy a top eight playoff rotation guy? Pat is the one guy we can unquestionably say has shown that he can be that. And I mean, you look at Pat's playoff numbers the last few years. So his true shooting percentages granted last year, he only played four playoff games. 76% true shooting last year, 63% in 21-22, 63% in 2021 during the title run, 56% in 19-20, 58% in 18-19. I mean, you know, he basically was average to very good um, each of those years. You know, his box score plus minus, which is not gospel or anything like that. But, I mean, he's been essentially with the exception of the bubble year, he's been very clearly a positive box plus minus guy, nearly plus two in the playoffs during his career versus in the regular season, he's negative 0.2 in his career, (laughs) you know, like, so, I mean, this is a guy who has really stepped up in the playoffs and been a guy that, you know, because he plays, I think a little bit bigger defensively, he's a good rebounder and he's a very willing, you know, three point shooter, whether it's from the corners or from above the break, he will shoot long threes. And I think he also gets his threes off more quickly and at a higher volume than someone like Grayson. So, um, so I think I always come back to Pat as as the guy that I would least want to lose. I think also just from like a culture perspective, um, you know, him and Bobby, I think both have strong arguments. You know, as far as just being like guys that the locker room would hate to lose. Um, you know, I think if Giannis was, you know, picking a guy that, that he has to go in the fo- foxhole with, um, I don't think Grayson Allen's gonna win that bo- vote against Bobby and and uh, and Pat um, and it probably would be Pat right I think if you gave Giannis a vote I think it's probably Pat Um, so so again I think to me it's 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 probably comes down to Pat the kind of proven playoff performer versus Bobby the like regular season versatile big innings eater type Um, and again if the goal is win a championship I think you end up going you know looking at Pat as as the guy that you would value the most but um, but I think there's arguments kind of a you know in in different ways as as sort of we discussed so that that's that kind of be how i would you know break it down kane um and again you know like with these role players this thing it's so hard to find role players that consistently contribute in the playoffs um and those guys you know especially bobby and grayson i think have been have highlighted that the last two years right like just the up and down swings can be pretty severe but pat to his credit you know his his playoff numbers man they're they're really impressive
0: Yeah. If I had to rate these three guys in terms of what I think the importance is to the Bucks this year it would be Pat, then Bobby, then Grayson. And I feel like pretty okay about that. Part of that is positional stuff. But then uh, again, playoff playability as we've, we've discussed a fair bit. And I'm kind of just resting on the idea that last year was just a down year for Pat because he never really was able to get healthy. He had some lower body uh, issues throughout the season. So I, I do think all three guys have at times been har- harshly judged by the fans, as I mentioned. But I think Pat is a guy that you can lock in right now and say, okay, well, he's in your top six, seven guys and going to be in a playoff rotation. And I also think for trading these guys, I do think you need to get into half the season and see how the team is looking and see whether a Bochamp is playable and whether Jay Crowder is not completely out of gas. Like, I think those things will matter. That's why maybe I feel a little bit better about the fact at least right now it looks like the bucks might go into the season without uh, making uh, some kind of big trade if I had to put money on it though I think they're trading I don't think all three of these guys are on the roster by the postseason uh, based on all the reports and all the smoke we've seen uh, about these three guys uh, I, I,
1: and I think that the the hard part is you know if you want to if you want to trade for a guy again like I'll use con Sexton as the example just because he's been talked about so much, but you know, if you want to get anybody that's in the kind of mid to high teens or certainly like low $20 million range, two of the guys you need to. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, the problem with, you know, having a really high payroll with star players is that, you know, it's only natural that y- you don't get these like random bad contracts. Like the bucks have a pretty tidy cap sheet. Like the guys that are getting paid can all play. Um, mm-hmm. And so, if you're going to give somebody up it's it's going to be somebody that that plays you know and that that's that's pretty good um i do, i do think again i'll I'll say it as well i mean i think grayson generally i think gets a little bit too harsh of um <laughs> uh, of a read from from bucks fans um you know i think
0: and the general basketball yeah yes. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but um but you know i think it's it's just only natural i think and and yeah. you look at you just look at the roster i mean we've been kind of joking about it like how many Shooting guards slash like kind of two three type players they have on this roster. Um, you know, I, I don't think I don't think like AJ Green. Like I don't think you could just throw AJ Green in for Grayson Allen and get kind of the overall level of play that Grayson Allen gives. Like to be clear, I know people sometimes maybe kind of tempted to kind of think that way or think like Bo Champ could just like slot in like Grayson. I mean, he's a sixty percent true shooting guy, a forty percent three point shooting guy. You know, he can pump fake attack the rim, you know, he scores at least a little bit that way. Um, You know, he's, he's a solid passer, certainly better passer playmaker than, you know, Marjon and AJ and, you know, kind of like those types. So again, he's not a high level player. He's not a high level starter, but um, you know, just throwing anybody in there, especially a young guy who's still trying to figure stuff out to a degree Hmm. that that's asking a lot. Right. But that said, you have a lot of guys at the shooting guard spot in particular. And Malik Beasley, if you're going to say, you know, who do you have a ready shift, a ready-made replacement for? Well, Malik Beasley is the obvious Grayson Allen um, replacement. I don't think he's as good all around as Grayson is, um, but he's, as we've talked about, like a much higher volume three-point shooter. And that is a really interesting skill set on, given the way this team is constructed. Uh, you know, if you're talking about moving Bobby, then you start getting into like some kind of weird stuff because then it's like, well, Jay Crowder can take kind of the power forward minutes that Bobby was getting, but Jay's not going to take like the center minutes. So it's like, you know, then are you playing Robin Lopez every night if you were to trade uh, Bobby? So uh, again, it doesn't mean you can't trade Bobby Portis, but things it, it's definitely like a different approach that you'd be using. You're potentially going a lot smaller, you know Giannis more Giannis at center, which we know he isn't the biggest fan of. So, um, you know, it is another situation where I think it's just going to be interesting to see what what Adrian Griffin does. You know, does he give young guys opportunities at the at the two three spots? Does he, you know, seem open to playing Jay Crowder at the wing rather than just at the four? You know, is Robin Lopez actually playing, or is he just sort of like you know laying on the sideline stretching his back most nights and you know fighting mascots or something like that? We'll see, but. Um, as you said, still a little bit of time. I don't think you know. I don't think the phones are getting burned up at Bucks HQ right now, trying to make moves. Um, but by the time you know we get into training camp, preseason. I mean, who knows, right? They'll get a better chance to take a look at this roster, and um, who knows, maybe if Damien Lillard actually gets traded at some point, maybe that kind of dislodges some of the kind of stuckness that uh, that the rest of the league is is kind of toiling with right now. Because I think um, probably. Again, if that, if, if, the, if that becomes sort of like a two, three, four team type of trade opportunity, you know, who knows? Maybe there is an angle for, for a team like the Bucks to get involved there um, and maybe kind of fill one of those needs at, at the kind of playmaker spot um, that, that we've been talking about for the past month.
0: All right. You mentioned Adrian Griffin and some of the changes he could make. We've got a question related specific to the offense, and we're going to get to that on tomorrow's show. So make sure you tune in to Locked on Bucks, but let us know your feedback from today and uh, some of your thoughts on the questions we asked. Are you optimistic and why are you optimistic about the Bucks this year being better than last year? And then the Grayson, Pat, uh, Bobby debate is a fun one to have. Uh, and uh, as we said, two of those guys, championship players, much loved uh, figures uh, around the team as well. So let us know what you thought about today's show. The mailbag continues tomorrow. Make sure you continue to drop your questions in the community section on the Locked on Bucks YouTube page. We'll catch you all tomorrow.